We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good, Chiefs Kingdom? It's Monday, August 22nd, and this is your KCSN Update. It's your daily dose of Chiefs news and updates from us here at KC Sports Network. It is important to note that each Monday going forward on this show, we will have our stock up, stock down report following the Chiefs' last game, and we will actually have a special recurring guest that will join me to go over who stock stock is up and who stock is down, and it's a familiar face uh, to Chiefs Kingdom. So I'm excited to share that with you probably uh, next week, if not the week after. It'll start once we get into the regular season. Uh, but for now, on stock up, stock down, you're stuck with me. So we're going to talk a little George Karloftis and the Chiefs running game, plus much more right after this. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. All right, if you've been watching these videos, you already know that I've projected George Karloftis to break the Chiefs' rookie franchise record for sacks in a season by a rookie, and that was set back in 1989 by Derek Thomas. It doesn't take long in looking around the guys who are in the top five for most sacks as a rookie, guys like Jared Allen, Tom Ali, Justin Houston, and obviously I just talked about Derek Thomas, and I project George Karloftis to be in that mix. So let's talk about how high his stock has risen over the past two preseason games, and we'll do that right after this quick, important update from our friends at DraftKings. Kansas, DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to the Sunflower State. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, all new customers will receive $100 in free bets when you sign up using code KCSN. Plus, one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you $100 in free bets just for signing up today. There's no deposit required, and soon you'll be able to bet on money lines, spreads, props, and more with one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. Plus, you'll be entered to win a $100,000 free bet when you sign up. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code KCSN to get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas. Plus, one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 1-800-522-4700. Must be 21 years old. Physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. One per customer. $100 issued as four $25 free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstake. Void where prohibited. Ends first day DraftKings is allowed to operate in Kansas. See terms at DraftKings.com slash Kansas. All right, quick injury update from our friend and senior Chiefs team reporter, Matt McMullen, who tweeted out earlier today that Blake Bell, Rashad Fenton, Derek Gore, Juju Smith-Schuster, Carlos Dunlap, and Lucas Niang won't practice today for the Chiefs. And Matt, being one of the best dudes you'll ever meet, uh, provided that information to us, again, like I said, on Twitter a little bit earlier today. And it's interesting because this is one of the more unique weeks of the NFL season, in my opinion, because... You've got the starters, the first team offense and defense, and the guys that are going to play in that week one game against Arizona. They will start preparing for Arizona this week, while the twos and the threes also need to have, you know, one of their eyes uh, on the game against Arizona to make sure they're prepared. You've got the coaching staff preparing for the week one game against Arizona, while also making sure that they're ready to go for the game on Thursday night, while the personnel staff has a job to do in cutting this roster down to 53 guys by next Tuesday is the deadline to set those rosters. So again, one of the more unique weeks at the Chiefs facility with different parts of the uh, football side of the organization working on different things all at the same time. Um, But as those guys prepare for the Arizona Cardinals, we're still looking for a good nickname for George Karloftis. It's got to get figured out. And I think Coach Reed will ultimately be the one who determines what we call George Karloftis. Anybody who's listening to this or watching this video uh, who followed along on social media, it's become a thing trying to figure out a nickname for him. I think Coach Reed's going to be the one to set it because I strongly predict a lot of questions uh, coming each week to Andy Reed about George Karloftis and the success that he's having. And when that tends to happen, Coach Reed tends to put out the nickname and the things that he's calling these guys, and uh, generally those stick. So we'll wait to see what Coach Reed starts calling Carl Loftus uh, when we get to that point, uh, but he'll be the one, I believe, to decide it. But if not, let me know in the comment section uh, what you think the best nickname you've seen so far for George Karloftis is. And while you're down there, please like and subscribe this video as well. It not only helps us reach more people, Uh, with YouTube's algorithm, but it also lets us know that we are doing something right. So go ahead, leave us a comment and uh, please go ahead and like and subscribe while you're there. But nonetheless, whatever you call him, George Karloftis is stock up and his stock is already up and it is rising even more. Uh, The story all off season was the chiefs struggles last year in getting after the opposing quarterback. Uh, It's tough to win a super bowl with the margin of error created by struggling in such a key area, like getting after the opposing quarterback chiefs finished dead last in the AFC in sacks last year with just 31 as a team. I believe that was 29th in the entire NFL. And again, dead last in the AFC, they had to get better. They had to address it. And so far the early returns have been absolutely fantastic for George Karloftis, uh, and then looking around the rest of the pass rushers. It seems like the Chiefs got a better version of Frank Clark this offseason and all the work that he put in to lose a lot of weight. He's looking explosive. It'd be interesting to see what happens with him once the, the game start going for real as a veteran player, uh, not getting a ton of snaps there in the preseason. And then we know Chris Jones is a beast already. And then they brought in Carlos Dunlap as a veteran who hasn't had less than six sacks in any season over the last decade. And for reference, six sacks would have been good for number two 
on the Chiefs last year. And then they got the rush Sam linebacker and Leo Chanel, who may factor into the pass rushing as well. So there are already a number of reasons to feel good about what the Chiefs pass rush could be going into the season after the struggles last year. But now that we've seen what George Koloftis has has done uh, in the last couple games. Uh, granted, they are just preseason games, so that has to be mentioned, but it's the only time that we've seen him uh, on an NFL field, and he's gone out there and not only looked like a guy who the game wasn't too fast or too big for him, but he's thriving. And, you know, when you look at the salary cap and the roster composition financially, to have an edge rusher on a rookie deal, George Karloftis will be under contract for the next five years. If this guy is a player that's going to be flirting, if not surpassing double digit sacks, which I think he will uh, just based on what we've seen. And the fact that he's absolutely relentless, which we'll get to here in a second. Um, the fact that edge rushers, if you go out and buy one in free agency, you go out and give a huge con, you have to give huge contracts to those guys. They're expensive. Well, if you've got one on a rookie deal, cheap per se, through the majority of Patrick Mahomes prime, that is a fantastic and a beautiful thing uh, and a beautiful position for the chiefs to be in uh, from a salary cap slash roster composition standpoint. So the fact that Karloftis is having success, isn't just about what he brings to the defense and, you know, obvious passing situations. Hopefully the chiefs are up by a couple of possessions, a score late in the game. You need to close it out and you've got a guy that can do that along with all the other new bodies and the new Frank Clark that we'll hopefully see this season. So when you look at that game last Saturday, Carl Loftus's highlight reel sack against the Washington Commanders showed him getting double teamed. Uh, he was even held a little bit, fought through all of it, and still managed to bring the quarterback down. And that play really demonstrated everything we heard about what could make George Carl Loftus so special at the NFL level. You saw the aggression, you saw the physicality, and you simply saw a dude who was just being absolutely relentless. And we've talked about this before. I know I've talked about this before years ago when I was with the Chiefs. I talked about this in regards to Tomba Ali because he said being relentless is the single most important characteristic for a pass rusher to have success at the NFL level. And he said it really wasn't even close. Obviously, you have to have the, the height, the weight, the length, the strength, all of those things. But being relentless needs to be the number one characteristic if you want to be a successful pass rusher. And when you kind of dig into the numbers a little bit, uh, you can kind of illustrate that or you can kind of manifest that point in that you know, last year, TJ Watt led the NFL in sacks with 22 and a half. And considering you can get like a half sack on a play, it's not always just one full sack. Let's just say that the 22 and a half sacks for TJ Watt came on around 30 plays. Obviously it's different for everybody, but let's say 30 plays TJ Watt received a statistical credit for a sack. Again, either a full sack or a half sack. Now, Adding another disclaimer, sacks aren't everything. We know pressures, hurries, and just generally affecting the quarterback. That's what matters. But on the outside, from a media, from a way that we talk about it standpoint, we use numbers, we use sacks to determine whether or not a player is successful at getting after the quarterback. So just follow me here um, in talking about the numbers in this kind of way. Again, TJ Watt, 22 and a half sacks, and we're saying that happened on around 30 plays. And according to Pro Football Focus, TJ Watt last year rushed the passer on 413 plays. So there's about half. So he probably played around 800 plays, uh, but taking the run, the run game out of it, uh, which he has to read while he's out there, mind you. But let's just look at passing situations or passing plays where he's rushing the quarterback. 413 plays, he rushed the quarterback. And he only got a credit 
either a sack or a half sack on 30 of the 413 plays that in terms of how we speak on it from the outside means he's successful 7% of the time, either getting a sack or a half sack. That's the best pass rusher in the NFL is only successful in the area that we grade success on the outside in the way that we judge edge rushers only successful 7% of the time to get paid millions of dollars to do what he does best and to affect the game as a pass rusher. Now, why is that important? It's why being relentless and having a nonstop motor and all of those things that we talk about is what really matters. Going back to what Tamba told me years ago about when pass rushers need that one characteristic above all others to be special. It's not even a question. George Karloftis has that. That was talked about him coming out of the draft. It was talked about from his college coaches. It was talked about from Brett Veach, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnolo, all throughout training camp that the guy is absolutely relentless. And when you combine that relentlessness with the fact that George Karloftis was working during the offseason with renowned Kansas City kingmaker Bobby Stroop, you know, the guy that trained both Patrick Mahomes and Bobby Witt Jr. as they were prep athletes living down in Texas. That's Bobby Stroop is now working with George Karloftis. And we made that point after the first preseason game when we saw the change of direction out in space from George Karloftis being significantly what I thought was significantly more impressive and better than what we saw from his tape in college, where he was still worthy of a first round pick. He was still worthy of being a reason to be excited about the Chiefs pass rush. But if there was one knock. It was he had the physicality, the aggression, the relentless nature, all of that, but wasn't twitchy. The change of direction, the athletic fluidity was a thing. Well, that seems to have been taken care of in some regard by Bobby Stroop and working with them offseason. That's why we gave Bobby Stroop was uh, who we toasted. We gave a cheers to Bobby Stroop on the postgame show. Uh, Kent Swanson and I did this past Saturday. Make sure to check that out if you haven't before. We're live after every Chiefs uh, game, live from the Kingdom Bar and Grill in Overland Park. But that was a lot of fun. And come come watch or come join us. But again, 7% success is the best in the world at getting after the passer. Now we talk about hitting and baseball being a game of failure. If you fail seven times out of 10, you're going to the hall of fame. 7% success rate for a pass rusher over even nine years at that rate. And you're the best pass rusher to ever live. That would be surpassing Bruce Smith's NFL record for two, with 200 career sacks. It's just crazy when you think about the best to ever do it right now, best to do it in the game right now, or only successful 7% of the time on measuring or uh, amassing some sort of statistical credit, whether it's a sack or a half sack. Absolutely crazy. Now, moving along, a couple other players on my stock up report for today. Um, not a huge surprise. You watch the game. Uh, these names should be pretty familiar. And Jody Fortson and Justin Watson, uh, two guys on the other side of the ball, they're on the offense. And they're looking less like guys that will be talking about making the roster because they just happen to be the next best players available when you're ranking your top you know, five or six receivers or your top three or four tight ends. However you look at it, these are not looking at like guys who are just, well, he's going to make it because he's the next best guy. These guys are looking like they could actually help us win football games at different points in the season, whether it's an injury or whether they just work their way up to where they're going to be counted on. Uh, we saw Watson finished with a game high 53 yards on two catches, impressing for the second straight week after we saw it against the Bears as well. And then Jody Fortson had the two touchdown plays, uh, finishing with four catches for 19 yards. And what's also impressive about this is that both of those guys were making plays with Patrick Mahomes in the first team offense. 
we weren't looking at box scores after the game and saying, well, he statistically had a great game, but he was going, you know, with Shane Buscelli or Chad Henney or Dustin Crum. He wasn't with the twos and threes. Jody Fortson and Justin Watson were making these plays with Patrick Mahomes in the first team offense, which again is a great sign. You need all of these guys at different points during the season. Guys are going to be banged up. We see it right now. Juju Smith-Schuster not practicing. McCole Hardman, little banged up, although the returns on that make it seem like it's not quite as serious as um, it could have been uh, with that groin injury he suffered at camp. But again, you love to see Joey Fortson, Justin Watson stepping up and making an impact. And I can't remember the last time I felt this confident about who's projected to be a fifth wide receiver as far, as far as feeling good about what he could bring offensively if he needed to step up. So that is absolutely a phenomenal thing to see with our stock up. Now let's go to the other side and check out our stock down report. And again, this one, not a huge surprise if you've watched the game or the last couple of games, that's the Chiefs running game. Uh, it just hasn't been there this preseason. Now it's important to note that this is the preseason. And personally, I still have confidence that Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, Trey Smith, Orlando Brown, Andrew Wiley, I feel like that physical group could move bodies well enough that in a third and one or a fourth and one where they do a little inside trap to the fullback um, to get the first down, I'm still confident that they can move bodies better than we would have, say, five years ago on a third and short situation. But in fairness, we haven't seen a consistently good running game so far this preseason again we've praised the guys up front being physical we saw trey smith basically knock a guy out of the play uh which went viral um in a few different ways uh after the game and during the game uh just absolutely clearing somebody out in pass pro we know they're physical we know they can move bodies but we haven't seen them find success up front and again i'm still confident they can convert that third or fourth and short when needed uh, but the running the rushing numbers this preseason have not been good when you remove the quarterbacks you know, rushing the scrambles, all of that, the chiefs running game via the running backs through the first two preseason games against the bears and the Washington commanders has totaled 30 carries for just 45 yards for you mathematicians out there. That's an average of 1.5 yards per carry for the chiefs running game through two preseason games. Now it takes everyone working together. Everybody wants to know whose fault it is. And let me know in the comment section, whose fault do you think it is that the chiefs running game has not gotten together? It takes for me, it takes them both working together. Sometimes you're going to miss a block. Sometimes you're going to miss a hole, whether it's the vision, whether it's not staying on a block, blocking the wrong guy, responsibilities, whatever it is as a group, they need to be better. And again, it's worth noting it's preseason, but this is still an Andy Reid team. They're not going to run the ball consistently. And those who think that they might or that they will should go back to what the beat writers were saying in Philadelphia when LaShawn McCoy was a rookie and Brian Westbrook was there. Andy Reid is going to throw the football. We have Patrick Mahomes. We have the best quarterback in the NFL. They're going to throw the football. Their slants, their short game, their bubble screens, all of that is an extension of their running game. Those are basically running plays. Uh, we just have a quarterback and, a, and an offense that can get really creative with that. But, you know, let's also be real about the margin of error and what's there for the Chiefs offense with an inconsistent run game. Uh, will that be an issue for the team at times if they can't consistently run the football? Sure. Will it hold them back? Not compared to other things, in my opinion, because, again, we are talking about the best quarterback in the NFL with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and Juju and MVS and all these guys. You want a good running game because you want to be able to convert those short running situations, those obvious running situations where you just need to get a yard. I think they're going to be able to get that, 
but consistently, even if the running game becomes a complement to the passing game, I don't think it's going to be a huge thing because we've been saying that about Andy Reid's offenses the entire time he's been a head coach in the National Football League. Guy loves to pass the ball, got the best quarterback, pass the ball. All right. Now, along those same lines in talking about the running game, I'm going to say the stock is down right now for the Chiefs swing tackle backup tackle situation. Now, as of right now, who do you feel comfortable stepping in if there's an injury at tackle? Now, we, Joe Thune can move out. It's probably the play right now. Um, but who could step in and play and not affect this offense's ability to function like they want? It's you know obvious that the offense isn't going to be as good if your starter goes down. If Orlando Brown goes down, offense obviously won't be as good if a backup comes in. But can they function the way that we need them to? We've seen that movie before, and we saw it in the Super Bowl against the Bucs. It wasn't pretty. Now, whether it's Lucas Niang coming back from injury or much better play and development from what we've seen in just a handful of two preseason games and snaps, whether it's Darian Kennard, Jaron Christian, Roger Johnson, Prince Tiga, whoever it's going to be, we haven't seen, or I haven't seen, in my opinion, something that makes me feel really good about the offense not taking a substantial step back or feeling like they can't function at the level that we've come to expect from this group that we want to go and win a Super Bowl. And you would look at it one step further. You look at the numbers from po- Pro Football Focus where they grade every player. Now, again, take it with a grain of salt. They don't know the scheme. They don't know all those, those things. But relative to the rest of the team, six of the nine lowest graded players for the chiefs against the commanders last Saturday by pro football focus, six of the nine lowest graded players were offensive tackles by the chiefs. It was basically everyone on the roster except for Orlando Brown jr. And Vitaly German. Those two guys were ranked higher. Every other tackle was included with that six of the nine lowest graded players. So not a great day for the chiefs offensive tackles outside of Berman and outside of Orlando Brown Jr. So, and if you were listening to us last week on Outside the Trenches, the show that I host with uh, Nick Leckie and Tucker Franklin, we talked about who we'd add from previous Andy Reid teams to this roster if we could take anyone. Nick Leckie said Jamal Charles. He flirted with the idea of Don Tari Poe. Both make a lot of sense. Tucker Franklin said Eric Berry. I believe Justin Houston was mentioned at one point. I said Eric Fisher. I don't want this offense to not be able to function the way that we expect them to function. And one injury away from them having to kind of change things up is not good enough for me for a team that we want to go win the Super Bowl. So I said, Eric Fisher, and I think it's the only thing that can really hold this offense back with an injury is an injury at tackle. Now, maybe they signed a veteran free agent that's out there. That's not on a team right now. If they really need one, they probably have a plan like that. If they need to go out and get a tackle, uh, whoever that might be, if you've got an idea of who that might be, let us know in the comment section while you're down there. Go ahead and like and subscribe. But, you know, it's also important to note, and to be fair, these coaches have seen thousands of snaps from these players, from OTAs to the meeting rooms, not necessarily seeing the snaps, but talking through with these guys who they'd feel comfortable to get in there and play. But what we've seen through two preseason games, not feeling great about the Chiefs' offensive tackle situation outside of the two starters uh, with Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley. Maybe it's Lucas Niang coming back. He's on the pup list. Maybe he's the answer, and he can come back and play better than we've seen him play before his injury, and that's not an easy injury to come back from. But 
it's also worth noting that maybe something like that is in the case, or maybe they, again, they have a veteran free agent out there that they plan on bringing in. Uh, but that's it for this week's stock up stock down report. Like I said before, I'll have a special guest joining me each week for these as we get into the regular season. And I'm pretty sure you're all going to enjoy that again. It's a familiar face. Uh, again, please don't forget to like, and subscribe. It really does help us grow here at KC sports network. And we appreciate your support. Uh, and then let me know in the comments section, whether it's stock up or stock down, who did I miss? And then I'll read some of those answers uh, in the next video. As I check in with Nate Taylor and five burning questions tomorrow. Uh... We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But before we check in with Nate tomorrow, let's check in today with what went down in Chiefs media availability and what we learned from Eric Bieniemy, Steve Spagnolo, Dave Tobe, and Justin Reed. And let's start with Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo. Not pretty good. I mean, the, the early on, I know we talked a lot about this um, in terms of the volume of, of scheme and all that. It's been way cut way back, you know, in these preseason games, and everybody does that, right? Everybody kind of gets vanilla. Um, but we'll just add a little bit here and there when we start headwaying toward Arizona and just be careful with how much we add on. Uh, there's probably a lot of reasons for it. Um, certainly that first year, it was all new to everybody, right? You know, there wasn't a, some of the coaches we had obviously knew the packages because I had been with them, but certainly all of the players were new. Um, last year, I, I don't know, we kind of got off to, I, I'm not so sure we played good enough football really. Obviously we didn't, right? And then we finally uh, we found a way to find our stride somewhere in the middle, and we got back to who we were and what we do. So maybe they're two different kind of years. But I do think there is an element of, I think I've said this before, uh, I think you spend, or at least I do, you spend the first quarter of the season, so four games. Not exactly a quarter anymore, is it? Um, but figuring out what you have, who you are, and what you're going to do. it Because you can't always get it all figured out going against one type of offense. And we, this is a unique offense that we go through from, you know, the OTAs and right in through training camp. And then we see some some different things along the way. And, and you, you got some figuring out to do. Uh, we got new guys that we're not really sure where their strength and weaknesses are. And we're always trying to figure that out. All the time. I mean, we call it a defensive unit because it needs to be unified. Um, we can't be going in different directions. And I, I, all defensive football. In, in my opinion, all the good teams function really well as a unit. You can't have just two really good players on one side of the ball and expect it to work, especially defensively, in my opinion. Well, Josh and Jalen, uh, both 
I'm sorry? Yeah, listen, they, there's going to have to be somebody that's going to step. We're going to have dings and bumps and bruises along the way, uh, and guys are going to have to step up. Uh, we may move some things around depending on uh, how the injuries fall, but with Rashad, that was sad because he missed all, you know, so you get a little nick, and, uh, but we're going to be careful with it and hopefully get him back soon. But right now I think Jalen and um, Joshua would take the, the bulk of his, his reps. I, I, you know, I, you, ask, you ask me the expectation question a lot. Um, and I think there's an assumption that I have certain expectations. I, you know, we're hopeful in certain areas, you know, when we get a certain guy, when we get a guy. But I'm always starting from ground zero, you know, and building from there uh, and trying to get them from point A to point B. Uh, and some of those guys are getting there quicker than others, you know. Um, but that part of it's never going to stop. I, I was more, you're more hopeful when you get new guys, in my opinion. Because in some regards, you never really know what you're getting. I mean, that, throughout the history of the, the NFL, there's been a bunch of first-round picks that everybody thought was going to, and it doesn't happen, right? So you can't predict it. Um, that's why I kind of stay away from that. And basically, just try to build. You, you know, idea well, probably a better question for Brett and, and Coach Reed, but in our case on defensively, I think there's still some battles going on. Yeah, that's a, Listen, that's a good thing, right? If you have them, if, I guess if it was set in stone, maybe that wouldn't be good because it would be too clear cut. I guess it'd be it'd depend on how good the ones were that, <laughs> right? I mean, it's all relative. But there, there are some that are probably well defined. But I think there are still some. some what good about Colin Saunders? He's had some bright moments. He yeah. also had some times where struggled yeah. as a double team or had the penalty things like that. Yeah, though, that whole that whole group in there is in a pretty good battle. That uh, all of those tackles in there, but they've all kind of shown signs of playing pretty good football, which is good for us. All right, next up, let's hear from Chiefs Offensive Coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Good afternoon. How we doing? Uh, feels good to come up here today uh, after a, a pretty good team victory. I thought our guys played hard. I thought there were some, some things that we improved upon. Uh, is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. But one thing that I am appreciating is the effort. I'm also appreciating the chemistry that's being developed and formed right now. With that said, I'm all ears. You know, I don't, let me just say it this way. And hopefully I understand your question the right way. I don't think he's feeling any pressure to get rid of it. I think he's just doing a great job of distributing the football. Uh, the thing that I think that we've added, and obviously we, we know what took place this offseason. We've lost a, a great player who's going to continue to be great. But the thing that we've added, we've added some pieces. And these guys are doing a heck of a job. And I think we have a lot of depth at many positions, you know, not just at the running back position. we got depth at that position as far as the receiver room and the tight end room. And Pat's just doing a great job of distributing the football. And the thing that he does in practice, he finds all those guys and it keeps, keeps them all involved. So everybody's working to get open. And so I just think that's the chemistry that's being formed. And you see guys just working to improve upon it. Uh, you know what? I, I get a lot out of it because, first of all, the only way you can continue to improve at our game is to play. And so the only thing that you want to do is see you guys play when there's live uh, people out there coming after him. That way he can get a feel for what it's like in the pocket. On top of that, we can get some timing down. And then when things aren't perfect, you know, how is he going to react and respond? And the same thing, as I said, for Pat, I'm looking at the other guys as well. So I enjoy watching him play because it's 
not only is it educating, it's something that we can take and learn from each and every day, watching the film and applying that moving forward. You see, the next time we have that opportunity to run that play, in fact, we had a great discussion about it because one thing, you know, uh, a man in VS, he came out, and on top of that, at the end of the day, we got to make sure that we're completing the ball, but just making sure we're on the same uh, – just on the same page as far as the angles are concerned and what should we expect. There was a number of things that took place on that particular play that we could improve upon. And the first thing is just making sure that we align properly so we all can give ourselves an opportunity to get off the ball. Isaiah is a great kid. He's a tough, hard-nosed football player. My message to him each and every week is to be patient and allow the game to come to you, okay? He wants to do good all the time and what you love about that particular player and about that kid. The thing that he has to understand is that you got to allow the O-line to work for you as well. On top of that, you have to learn how to be in sync and in rhythm with the O-line by making sure you're executing the proper footwork because your spacing has to equate to what they're doing. And now that allows them to secure level one to level two. If he's just taking the ball and running, we're not giving ourselves a chance to be great. Now, is he working on it? Yes. Is it a work in progress? Yes. Will he improve over time? Yes, he will. The kid has the right temperament and he has the right mindset, and he will be okay. It could be a lot better. You know, it could be a lot better. Uh, at the end of the day, we just got to make sure that we're calling enough runs. But on top of that, we got to give ourselves a chance, and everything starts up front. Our guys up front are doing, are, are doing a heck of a job. But on top of that, we just need to make sure as a back that we're doing everything under the sun to make it happen by being in sync and in rhythm, making sure we're having the proper reads. And then on top of that, everybody just think the run games goes with what's taking place inside. It also has to do with the guys, uh, the tight ends on the edge and those guys in the perimeter. So it's a, it's a team effort. There's a lot of things that we need to improve upon, and we're going to continue striving to make sure that we can reach the perfection that we want to reach. Well, it's, it's not difficult because we'll get a number of reps in practice, but when we do have those opportunities, it's not going to always be perfect because those guys on the other side of the ball get paid as well. The thing that you want to eliminate is making sure that we're not get, making sure that we're giving ourselves a chance by doing all the little things that are necessary by executing those details and fundamentals that we work on each and every week. At the end of the day, we're not doing those. So what does that mean? We got to continue making sure as a staff that we're giving our guys the right information. But on top of that, those guys processing the information and going out and working on it so now everything can happen on game day. But it takes time. You know, it takes time. Well, it was it was it was like it was Jody's welcome back party. I mean, he got hurt in that game last year. I thought he did a heck of a job of playing fast. I thought he stood out and did some great things. Obviously, he he had the two scores. Uh, but Jody, one thing about Jody, he's his, he's his, his biggest critic. He'll tell you there's plenty of things to work on. I'm happy that he had an opportunity to make the plays that he made. But on top of that, Jody knows there's certain things that he has to work on that's going to help him to be the best player that he can be, but also allow us to become the best team that we could possibly be when we're operating on, a, on, a, on our side of the ball. All right, the third and last, but certainly not least, coach that we'll hear from today is the Chiefs assistant head coach and special teams coordinator, Dave Tope. Uh, I think he's, he's building confidence every game. Um, I, I really like that second one where he went after it. You know, uh, it was a short kick. 
we had a right return call, but there was no, not a lot of blocking over there. And he still went up there and caught it and, and saved us some yardage and then held on to the ball when he got hit. So, I mean, that was, it was good to see. He's, he's getting a lot more confidence with, with his catching and his ball reads. Um, you know, so we just we got to keep working him in there. I tried to get him as many as I could in that last game. Yeah, yeah he's he's solid. I mean, you can see him. Um, he's always the first in on kickoff. He's the first in on. He's our best gunner. You know, um, he's a, he's a good player. Um, he's trying to establish himself on defense, and he did a good job in that game. They they played him a lot more, and he showed up a little bit. So that was good to see. It's, it goes hand in hand. It's not just you know we, we don't have just special teams guys. You know, and they have to be able to play offense and defense. So. It's good to see a player that I like, Lamons, doing well on defense. Yeah, he, we, we, we didn't. They didn't give us any. I mean, I was I was kind of frustrated because they didn't kick it. They they try to kick away from us in the preseason. It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. But Pacheco got it at nine deep. You know, he tried to come out with it. Then the other one, he he started coming out at four. He was fourteen deep. He started coming out. So, but um, you know, you can't evaluate your kickoff return team unless you get returns. So I, I'm telling them to come on out deep. Um, Maybe Green Bay will give us some, so we can evaluate that part of it. But you know, I, I think he's I think he's a talented guy, and he's he's excited about it. You know, you could tell he wants to go. You know. And finally, veteran safety Justin Reed took to the podium. Here are some highlights of what Justin Reed had to say when talking with the media today at the Chiefs facility. Yeah, so I got a couple of tips on that. So first and foremost, it's not always about. Um, being so hungry to make a play that you get outside of the technique and scheme of the defense to make those plays. You know what I mean? Um, you can have a great game and not have any stats on the production chart by being consistent, doing your job the whole time. And, you know, it just so might happen for that game that the ball didn't come your direction. But when it does come, um, don't miss a layup when those opportunities come. And don't get, over, don't get um, bogged down overthinking um, your job or what's going to happen next at the end of the day. Football is football. It's the same sport we've been playing since we were kids. So pin your ears back and go. Yeah, um, the confidence is there. Um, you look at the first two halves of both the Chicago game and of the Washington game. I mean, they, they look damn near identical. The offense goes and scores on the first drive. Defense um, holds them to a big egg on the scoreboard, you know. And that's what we wanted to execute out of our first teams, to go out there. Um, game plan is simple. We should be able to execute. And I think we did a good job of that. So that's building some momentum going into the season. Um, we just got to make sure we continue to do that when the games count. Um, very high. Um, out of my years in the league, this is the highest IQ defense that I've been a part of. As far as across the, ball, across the board, guys just understanding football, um, being able to talk ball, not necessarily having to even go practice it, just being able to have a verbal conversation about it and everyone being able to understand what the coaches are trying to get done and be able to go out and execute it and not spend um, a ton of time you know, doing practice reps, which we still do and is important. Um, but just speaking to the IQ side of it, um, it's very high in this room. So the guys have picked up on the scheme really well. Yeah, we start, you know, we try to take things a week at a time, like you said. We do things at a task at hand. I think the defensive staff here um, across the board does a great job, though. Uh, they've slipped in some plays from Arizona and the Chargers. Um, I don't even know if everyone, you know, all the players even know that they've slipped in those plays in there, so that way we've already been exposed to some of them. Um, but we're keeping the focus on Green Bay. 
All right, that's it for today's KCSN update. Appreciate you for watching and listening. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and please leave a comment um, or a review if you're listening to this in podcast form. Um, We've got it on YouTube. We've also got it on podcast form, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, search KC Sports Network or KCSN and find all of our content, not just Chiefs. We also have Royals, KUK State, and Mizzou, along with a lot of other stuff uh, coming here very, very soon as we get closer to the regular season. Uh, We appreciate you supporting us. We know that there's a lot of places you can get your Chiefs news and updates, and we appreciate being one of those places that you stop by to get it. But until next time, we'll catch up with Nate Taylor tomorrow with five burning questions. I'm DJ Kissel. Until next time, everyone, please be kind to us.